Share Care, helping you. Get younger, get guidance, get better care, get smart, get fit. Radio MD presents Share Care Radio with Daria Long Gillespie, MD. Hello, we are back with ShareCare Radio, your weekly dose of healthy living. This month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and the American Cancer Society today just released latest guidelines about their recommendations for mammograms. There's a lot of confusion for women about what we should be doing. So I have with me Dr. Maureen Chung. She's medical director of the South Coast Breast Center and a surgical oncologist specializing in diseases of the breast. She is perfect for answering these questions. Last week, we heard from a breast cancer survivor, Tracy Nicole, to get the patient's perspective. Perspective. And this week, Dr. Chung is going to give us the medical perspective. Dr. Chung, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I want to just dive in a little bit to these, these latest guidelines. We were going to be talking about what the guidelines recommend. Talk about the ACS newest information. Okay. So for the last few years, there have been differing recommendations based on different organizations. Mm-hmm. So as a background, the American Cancer Society, as well as the Radiology Society, the National Cancer Network, they have recommended mammograms starting at the age of 40 and annually thereafter. Mm-hmm. The U- United States Preventive Task Force recommends starting mammograms at 50 and every other year. And that created some confusion. Mm-hmm. Today, the American Cancer Society now recommends mammograms starting at the age of 45. Now, we may say, What's all the controversy about? Well, we know that every test we do, there's a benefit, but there's also a risk or side effect. Mm -hmm. And it's weighing the risk versus benefit ratio that you have to look at. Right. The biggest risk factor in getting breast cancer is being older and being a female. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the initial uh, studies looking at mammography screening, we noticed that there was a benefit definitely after the age of 50 in terms of decreasing um, cancer deaths. And although there was a benefit if you started at the age of 40, between 40 and 50, it wasn't quite as clear as those starting after the age of 50. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's been that debate about when to start. Mm-hmm. The You're other right. thing is that um, breast cancer for the average risk person and these are the guidelines for the average risk person. We can come back and talk about people who have stronger right. risk factors. Mm-hmm. But for the average risk person, when you're in your 40s, um, the likelihood of fi- finding cancer is low. The likelihood of finding a false positive on a mammogram is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it's a way of weighing the risk versus benefit. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems, I think, is going to add more to the confusion of when, of when to start having mammograms. Um, I think it's going to stimulate a lot more discussion with your physician to individualize recommendations for the individual as opposed to broad guidelines. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It is going to be, it really, I think all of these guidelines kind of push it back on the patient and the physician to have these discussions because then there are still some groups that advocate, like the American College of ACOG, ACOG. Don't they advocate starting at 40 still? Yes, they do. Okay. And, and and so the way I look at it, as someone who, who sees women all the time, is the first thing you want to ask about is you want to ask, what is your risk of getting breast cancer? Mm-hmm. And so you want to look at your family history. You want to look at your personal history and then look at some of the lifestyle factors. And there are models out there to estimate what is your risk of getting breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Now, is that Start, something that a so consumer can find that model themselves? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's actually called the GAIL model, G-A-I-L, and um, it's been around a long time, 
and it includes things like your family history, Mm -hmm. but also includes things like um, if you've had atypical cells in your breast. Mm -hmm. Um, It includes uh, your hormonal exposure during your lifetime. So if you have, say, no children or you started having your period very early, it includes those factors Mm -hmm. and comes up to a, a risk in the next five years of you getting breast cancer or over your lifetime to the age of 90. Okay. So again, getting to really getting more personalized health. And then, so what do you do? You have your patients, you said you first determine what their risk is, and then do you have a discussion with them and kind of what guidelines do you end up following? Or is it a hybrid of all of them? It's, it's a hybrid of all of them. So if it's someone who is in a, a high risk category, I would, I would use a lot younger age. By high mm-hmm. risk, I mean those who have a lifetime risk greater than 20%. Mm-hmm. Those with a family history, I would start a lot younger. Um, those with an average risk, I would start somewhere between 40 and 45. And it, it really depends on, 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 on the individual if they understand what is the benefit of mammography and what is the risk. Mm-hmm. And I tell all patients that, that when we do mammograms, we're looking for certain things. But it's not like it says, I'm a cancer in the mammogram. We see mm-hmm. subtle abnormalities that we have to biopsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one of the risks, the false positives that everyone's concerned about doing unnecessary needle biopsies. But okay. I think if you go through with the patient, explain what you're doing, why you're doing it, what are the potential benefits, then they're better educated when they do get called back for additional screening. Yeah, I agree with that. I think so much of this is about educating women as we are letting them, you know, and advise them to make more of these decisions individually. It is educating them and knowing that the risk of false positive or that you'll get called back essentially from your mammogram, but that it won't necessarily mean anything once they do more tests is higher when you're in your 30s and 40s, correct? Correct. So we, so we wouldn't normally do regular screening in your 30s unless you have mm-hmm. a very strong family history. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing, I think one of the big issues today is that we know that the, um, the chance of missing a cancer is greatest in that 40-year age group. Why? Mm-hmm. Because their breasts are dense. Mm-hmm. So you're more likely to get called back for a false positive. You're more likely to have something missed. And so oh. it's part of that education, understanding that today we have more than just digital mammograms. We have what's called three-dimensional mammograms or tomosynthesis, which is a lot more accurate with a lot less false positives, but more likelihood if you are called back of finding a cancer. Okay. And we're going to get into some of the other tests shortly. So that's really helpful and a good segue for that shortly. So, and again, so you're saying that mammograms in general are just less accurate in younger women. They are less accurate in younger women um, because their breasts are usually very dense. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. breast tissue is is white. Mm -hmm. And the things we're looking for are are white. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to see white on white. Mm-hmm. So if we if we look at the guidelines, if someone came in in their 30s with a mass in their breast, we would definitely want to get an ultrasound in addition to a mammogram. We would mm-hmm. not rely solely on a mammogram. Okay. If we had someone with a very strong family history, say someone whose mother had breast cancer in her 40s um, and whose maternal aunt also had breast cancer in her 40s but has said negative gene testing and we're falling as a high risk, we would do mammograms and MRIs. Mm-hmm. Because they're different tests, they use different modalities, and they pick up cancers in different ways. 
Okay. Now, for all of these guidelines that we're talking about, no matter what age, they are still talking about mammograms. Are there any of them advocating these other tests like ultrasounds or MRIs at a younger age? The American Cancer Society does advocate doing MRIs in addition to mammograms, so doing them six months apart. In women who have um, the gene mutations, BRCA1, BRCA2, um, women who have a lifetime risk of breast cancer greater than 20%, women who've had radiation to their chest as part of their treatment for, say, Hodgkin's lymphoma, Mm -hmm. they are recommended MRIs and mammograms. Okay, but other than that, you aren't there are not additional recommendations for other screening tests. It's kind of a start with the mammogram for all of these. The, the, it is start with the mammograms. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. I'm just going to mention that there are some studies looking at screening breast ultrasounds mm-hmm. because the issue in younger women is the breast density. Mm-hmm. And ultrasounds have less of an issue with dense breast tissue. And there are some studies suggesting that screening ultrasounds are a good test. However... The screening, the ultrasound, it depends on who is doing it, the amount of experience in the area, because it's for looking for a needle in a haystack, and it really Mm -hmm. depends on how well you look. The other problems with screening ultrasounds is that they have even more false positives than screening mammograms. And so that's why we haven't gone into saying screening ultrasounds across the board as a screening modality for breast cancer. Okay, so there's some research on screening ultrasounds, but it's not enough to be putting it into the guidelines to say this is what everybody should be Correct. doing yet. Okay. Correct. Now, you also mentioned, let's just get into some of the other tests you mentioned. You said digital mammogram. Uh, how is that different from the regular mammogram? So most mammograms today are actually digital mammograms. Digital, okay. So we had analog mammograms, which is where we captured the image on film. Okay. And then we have digital mammograms where you actually capture it using um, a computer screen. Got it. But that's different from the 3D mammogram. Correct. So okay. with a digital mammogram, which is the standard that I would say most people are, are getting across the country right now, you get two views of each breast. And so you compress the tissue, as a lot of women know that, that hurts, but you mm-hmm. compress the tissue and you get a two-dimensional picture of the, the breast. A three-dimensional mm-hmm. mammogram, or it's also called a CAT scan of the breast, it's also called tomosynthesis, is you actually take slices through the breast. So mm-hmm. if ever took a CAT scan, it takes slices through the body. Mm-hmm. The three-dimensional mammogram takes slices through the breast to create a three-dimensional picture. Mm-hmm. And so you have less of an issue with overlapping breast tissue with a 3D mammogram. And the studies have clearly shown that with 3D mammograms, particularly when with dense breast tissue, there are less callbacks or false positives. But if you do get called back, if you do see something on the mammogram, and you biopsy it, you're more likely to find cancer. Okay, so it's tends it's essentially it's more accurate than just a correct. 2D mammogram. But I correct. bet since it like all CAT scans, they have higher radiation dose too, correct? A little bit higher, not a lot higher. Okay. Um, we were looking at the numbers recently. It's 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 very very low. Um, okay. Not enough for you to get concerned about getting too much radiation. So should um, everybody be getting a 3D mammogram instead of a 2D? I'm a big proponent, I will tell you, I'm a big proponent of three-dimensional mammograms in women who have heterogeneously dense or dense breast tissue. Mm-hmm. So that's most a lot of the young women. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it's not something that's available everywhere. Got it. It's becoming more available, but it's not in every center right now. Okay. 
But so if somebody is getting a mammogram in their 40s or a younger woman, then you would recommend they go for a 3D. Correct. Okay, that's really good to know. Now, what about the MRI you mentioned? So the MRI uses a different technology. It doesn't does not use radiation. Mm-hmm. It um, you get an injection of a contrast, and it's based on on blood flow. So things enhance um, and retain the the dye, mm-hmm. and it is not uh, affected by breast density at all. We know that from the the studies that were done um, about a decade ago that breast MRIs are a lot more sensitive than digital mammograms, about three times more sensitive. Hmm. The problem with it is that, again, they see a lot of things that are are not cancer, and so you have a higher chance of being called back for additional testing. Okay. In the right age, in the right risk group, though, it is a very good test. Okay. You and, have a, sorry, go ahead. And who is that risk group? That would be the risk group that has a higher risk, uh, a, a greater than 20% lifetime risk of breast cancer. Okay. Because we know that as your risk increases, um, the likelihood of finding something increases. And so um, the, the false positive mm-hmm. number um, becomes less. You're more yeah. likely to find a cancer as opposed to finding nothing at all. Got it. Okay. Yeah, what we call in medicine is their pretest probability, the risk of finding Correct. something. <laughs> hmm That makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's tough. You know, I'm a woman, a female in my 30s as well. It's something that I think a lot about. And it's the, it, it is a balance of mammograms in your 30s and 40s. You have a higher risk of false positives and a lower risk of actually finding something. So you have to try to balance where is that intersection. The other hard thing for all of our listeners is, you know, that breast cancers in your younger 30s and 40s tend to be much more aggressive, correct? And they often can progress very, very quickly. Yes. So you are correct about that. So when you're young and you get breast cancer, um, the first thing we start thinking about is, you know, is this related to your genes? Mm -hmm. So is it something you inherited? Um, particularly the, uh, the BRCA1 gene mutation, which is a large category of the inherited breast cancers, mm-hmm. tend to be what we call triple negative. Right. So they are, most breast cancers are hormone receptor positive, and they all, some breast cancers also have this gene called HER2 new on it. Mm-hmm. When you are triple negative, you lack expression of, of hormones or HER2 new, mm-hmm. and you just tend to be the most aggressive type of breast cancers. Mm-hmm. So we tend to see that a lot in 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, almost a double-edged sword. You, yeah. You're less likely to pick it up, but if you do find it, they tend to be more aggressive. Right. Makes it very difficult. And, you know, for, so I want to talk about some other ways of testing. You know, and again, for our listeners, we're talking about mammograms. And it seems that everybody's kind of in, more or less in agreement for mammograms from age 50 above. But it's especially in that 30s to 40s area that every, or 40s specifically, there's a lot of debate. What about breast self-exams and clinical breast exams? Because I know ACS also said, advised against clinical breast exams, correct? Correct. So so let me back, the breast self-exams for a long time, we used to tell women you had to examine your breasts every month um, as part of a breast cancer screening. Mm-hmm. The problem, I tell patients they should be familiar with them with their bodies. Just the same way we look at our skin to see if we have moles or things are changing. Mm-hmm. We should be familiar with our bodies. That doesn't mean you need to do a, a breast self-examination at the beginning of every month um, as a screening tool. But if you find something in there, you need to draw attention to that. Now, why are breast self-examinations no longer recommended for screening purposes? The reason being is that 
with screening mammograms, we are hoping to find cancers before we can feel them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of lumps that you feel are are not cancer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and they have done studies in populations that do not have screening mammography. I'm thinking the one the studies out from Shanghai and um, and um, Soviet Union that show that breast self examination as the only screening tool does not decrease breast cancer death. Hmm. So what about women who are too young, theoretically, to be getting their mammograms? Is it at all useful for them to be doing these exams? I think, like, most women will, will tell you that they find the lumps when they're, when they're um, wiping themselves after they have a shower. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I, what I tell patients that you don't have to, to call it a monthly breast self exam. Like, you don't mm-hmm. need to stand there and do, you know, put your hand behind your neck, your, your, your hand behind your head mm-hmm. and do an examination in a circular motion that we used to tell women to do, they had to do, or they were bad people. You don't mm-hmm. have to do that. Mm-hmm. But what you should do, though, is that if you're, you know, coming out of the shower, you're wiping yourself off, and you feel something in your breast, then you should actually bring it to the attention of your physician. Okay. So it's not like you're not doing any examination of your breast. Mm-hmm. You're just not doing that monthly breast off examination. Okay. And again, that's especially, especially important in women in their 30s and even up to their 40s who may not be getting the screening mammograms, even more important that they are at least familiar with that and be looking for any changes and report that because that's the one thing that they can do. Uh, You know, I really want to talk really quickly about any other things that we can be doing to reduce our risk of breast cancer. Uh, Tell us about what other lifestyle things we can do. Well, there are many lifestyle things to do, and they're all, the, when we think of the healthy lifestyle things, mm-hmm. those are the things we recommend. So the okay. first thing we tell people is we want to, or women, we tell them, you want to keep your body weight down, because when you are obese, fat, you have a lot of fat. Mm-hmm. And what does fat do? Fat can make estrogens. So we want to keep your body weight down. We want you to get physical exercise that has clearly been shown to decrease your breast cancer risk. And also, if you have breast cancer, decrease your risk of recurrence. Okay. If you, um, we want to tell women to um, limit how much alcohol they drink. Mm-hmm. We want to tell them um, to limit how much cigarettes they smoke. All together, right? No smoking, period. Correct. Well, no smoking, correct. And what I tell, you know, when people say, what kind of diet should I eat? I tell patients, there's no magic formula because what's mm-hmm. in vogue today, like maybe blueberries today, maybe out mm-hmm. of fashion tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it's more important that you get a balanced diet Mm-hmm. Lots of fruits and vegetables, preferably in the more natural state. So okay. if you want, like potatoes, having real potatoes as opposed mm-hmm. to potato chips. Yes, um, whole foods, up. essentially. Correct. The okay. things we know, but things we don't we want to follow. Yes, and the good news is the diet that's good to prevent breast cancer is a diet that's good to keep your heart healthy, your vision healthy, and you healthy and feeling good the rest of your life. Dr. Chung, I really want to thank you for this. I know this is a confusing topic for a lot of our listeners. And again, they can find more information from you at South Coast Breast Center at www.southcoast.org. And also you can find more information at sharecare.com backslash health backslash breast hyphen cancer. This is Dr. Daria. and you're listening to Sharecare Radio on Radio MD. Tweet us at Sharecare Inc. or at Dr. Daria and download all of these segments at sharecare.com backslash Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well.